Uh, I don't always do occasion messages, uh, but we've been on this Faith Comes By Hearing series, and it just seemed appropriate that, uh, okay, where are we here? (laughs) Seemed to be appropriate that as we talk about the Word of God, why not take a story from the Word of God that relates to the fact that this is Mother's Day, and so we're going to do that, but we also took the opportunity to talk to some moms around us and say, okay, what are you... um, what What is the best thing for you about being a mom? And please, ladies, don't get offended. I took literary license. As you gave them to me, I abbreviated some of them, okay? So it's just basically one-line statements that are going to be read for us at this time. Now you go, Tracy. Sorry. smiles on their faces and being able to love them unconditionally even when they stray away. Being a mom is the hardest job but the most rewarding. Being able to watch my child grow every day and become an adult. Being able to see all of God's promises come to fruition in the lives of my adult children. Although the journey to get here wasn't easy or for the faint of heart, the reward is tremendous. My adult children are my friends and my prayer warriors. Being able to watch my children grow from infant to a young person who is capable of taking care of themselves. Watch as they become their own person. The unconditional love we have for one another. Being a mom is giving and receiving unconditional love. It is forgiving and being forgiven. Being a mother is sacrifice without expecting anything in return. It is an example of the father's heart. At this stage in life, the best thing about being a mom is watching my kids be healthy, happy, and kind adults. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for expressing those sentiments. And I am sorry, Tracy, I pushed the wrong button at the wrong time. Didn't mean to do that. Okay, so faith comes by hearing. Taking a story about a mom from the Bible. Well, guess what? There's a few moms in the Bible. Did you anybody notice that when you're reading it? There's a few moms there. And some of them are amazing examples. And one of them I'm going to talk about this morning is a lady by the name of Hannah. How many of you have ever heard of Hannah in the Bible? Okay, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? We have six people in the room who've heard of Hannah. No, I'm just kidding. Hannah was this woman of God in the Old Testament. There was something interesting about Hannah that we're going to take the principle from Hannah's life and apply it not just to moms, but to all of us. And here's what Hannah was. She was a praying mother. That principle applies to dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, all of us, that we are to learn this principle, this true principle of what it is to truly pray. So Hannah is married to a guy named, let me get this right, Elkanah, okay? Not a bad thing. Got Hannah, got Elkanah, the husband. But this is a different time in history, and there's something about this family, and that is this. Elkanah has two wives. We never said he was smart. 
We just said he had two wives. The other wife's name was Pena or Penenia. How you pronounce it? And here's what's happening in this relationship. Pena is having kids. Hannah is not. And for those who do not know or do not understand, in that day and time, the blessing of a woman was to be able to have children. Now, it's a blessing today, and we celebrate these absolute precious children that God's given us that we can dedicate. But there's something here that Hannah was so getting to this place of so necessarily wanting God to give her a child. Her sister wife, is that the term I guess, is really giving her a hard time. I mean really, really. In fact, she has multiple children, so this is going on year after year after year, and she is just absolutely belittling her. Oh, I got kids, you don't. Her husband tried to reassure her. Now, again, this guy's got two wives, so I'm not sure how bright he was. He reassures her, but I love you more. Okay, not a good thing in case you didn't know. For those of you out there who have two wives, don't do that. Okay, just say. <laughs> I love you more than anything. Why are you not happy? And she says, because I don't have kids. And every year they would go to Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was a place of their annual worship before Jerusalem. And so they would make this pilgrimage from their home to Shiloh. And there they would offer their sacrifices and they would do their worship and they'd be there several days. And then they'd go back home. Well, on this one occasion, Hannah has had it. And so after they have their meal, she gets up and she goes... To the tabernacle. Now Eli was the priest. He's sitting by the door. And she is depressed. And look what, look what it says. Prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Let me tell you something. That is a place of prayer that we all need to get to. If you have never been to that place where it says in Romans that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us because we have come to that place of such distress as Hannah was where we can do nothing but groan in prayer. This is not typical in our contemporary church today because we're all about having things nice and sweet and wonderful. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. That's in the Word of God as well. But when the Holy Spirit impresses upon us the absolute, absolute necessity of prayer, He can take us to a place where we are distressed. And we're at that place... I, I don't want to say I had the privilege. Maybe it is that. But there have been some times in my life where this is exactly what God has done for me. And in doing so, he's taken me to a whole different level with him. So she's praying in desperation. Oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. She said, Lord, do you give me a son? 
and I will give that son back to you. Now that's what we were doing today in a formal setting of dedication. But this woman's going to a whole different level. She is saying to God, God, if you give me the son that I'm asking for in my desperation, then I will literally and physically give that boy back to you. I will bring him here to the temple and he will serve you in this temple. Wow. And by the way, the haircut thing was a Nazarite vow that, um, and it wasn't, he wasn't the only one in the Bible where they would not cut their hair. So it came about as she continued praying before the Lord. See, this is where we, we can get messed up on what we see, what we think we see. So Eli, the priest, was watching her mouth because she is what? She's expressing it, but she's not speaking because it's coming from her heart. But her lips are moving, but her voice is not heard. So Eli thought, she must be drinking. Isn't that what you think now when you go through the store and people talk to themselves because everybody's got their Bluetooth on or whatever? You know, oh, they just must be drunk. We want to be careful how we view and evaluate other people. So Eli says, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine? She says, no, my Lord. I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. That's back to what we were talking about a while ago. When we allow the Holy Spirit to have our, his place in our life, and somebody sitting there goes, if that's what that's what I don't want, if that's what that's all about, I don't want it. Let me tell you what. If you're here and you're a child of God, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You want to get to that place in your Christian life and your relationship with Jesus Christ where you are so desperate for God and what he wants that it will not matter that he takes you through a time of emotion and distress. This is my soul, she says, being poured out before the Lord. Please, please, in the name of Jesus. Get to that place in your own personal life where your soul is being poured out before the Lord. Where you're not all about, well, I got to keep it prim and proper, but it's, it's just the desperation that God has placed me in. And remember, this has gone on year after year after year after year. So as you are praying and God is working in your life and he has put you in some places, maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a difficult marriage. Maybe it's circumstances that are absolutely, extremely Painful that you're walking through and you're coming to that place. Oh God, oh God, do that work, do that work. That's where Hannah is. That's what she's saying. Don't consider me worthless, she says. For I've spoken until now out of the great concern and provocation. And here's what Eli, thank God he sharpens up. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. In other words, God works in her life. She has nothing physically to demonstrate or reveal that God has done anything. 
But because her heart has been touched by God, she knows that her prayer has been answered. And that's where you want to get to, that even though you can't see it, taste it, or smell it, the Holy Spirit is so working in your life that you know, you know, you know, you know that God has answered that prayer. So she goes, goes back to her husband, back to her family, and she knows that God has moved and God has worked. And it came about, she conceived, gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel because the meaning of Samuel is, I asked him of the Lord. Now, here's a mother who is in great distress praying for her need to have a child. God answers that. She has already made this promise and commitment that she's going to give this child to God by literally taking him when he is weaned. By the way, for the Israelites, that was between three and five. And so that's what she does. She takes her child back to the temple and says to Eli, I'm the woman, I'm the one, I'm the one you thought was drunk. I was the one who was pouring out my soul to God. God has answered my prayer and I'm committing now today the fulfillment of that promise. Here's my son to serve in this temple. Now think about this. All of this seems to be pretty much out of the public eye except for what her husband saw and Eli saw. But oh, but God was watching. And because he was and he answered that prayer... The backstory is that the nation of Israel is in a terrible, terrible place. Even Eli, his own sons, who are also priests, are violating all the rules at the temple. And God is looking for that person that he can raise up to lead this nation to the place of worship and serving him. And guess who it is? It's the son of Hannah, Samuel, who becomes the first prophet. And that line of prophecy continues all the way to Malachi. So here's this work that God is doing to literally, literally save a nation. But it's being mostly done in the place of prayer. Is that not our God? Oh, wait a minute. Are we now in a time where our nation needs to be saved? Because we as a nation have so turned away from God that we are pathetic. That we have become to other countries a laughing stock of how our morals have disintegrated. Yes. And it is our responsibility when I say our, I'm talking about all of us as children of God to come to that place, whatever it takes of desperation, where we are crying out to God for him to work a supernatural work, or as E.M. Bounds says, the mystery that God moves in answer to prayer. That's our God. That's who we trust. That's who we believe. That's who we worship. That's who we come before in prayer. And all this is done because Jesus did his work on the cross and the Holy Spirit is now working within us as we go forward.
I wonder, do any of us here believe that God could use us in that way? Going back a couple hundred years, a lady by the name of Susanna Wesley. Anybody know that name? Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. Susanna not only had John and Charles, she had 19 children. Her father was a pastor. Her husband was a pastor. And she was a woman of God, a woman of the word, and a woman of prayer. With her 19 children, she scheduled her schedule every week so that during a week's time, she would have at least one hour with each child in prayer. One of the reasons we put those books for these folks who are dedicating their children, how to pray for your kids, because we all need to know how to do that. As time went on and her boys grew up and God began to use them, those were the two men that God used to start what is now the United Methodist Church. Now I realize they fall on hard times too because of morality or lack thereof. But in the beginning, it was these two men of God who had been prayed for by their mother in a consistent way that God was using to change the world because the Methodists came about because they had created a consistent and persistent study of the Word of God. And as so, lives were being changed. That's what this is about. That's why we're into Faith Comes By Hearing. That's why we always advocate for every one of us. Read the Bible, know the Bible, know the Scripture, get to know what the Word of God says. But then as James says in the book of James, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, because that's how lives get changed. The psalmist David. Oh, wait a minute. The psalmist David, King David. You remember little Samuel, who became the first prophet and also priest? When the nation of Israel was crying out for a king, didn't work out so well with Saul. So God raised up another king, and it was King David. And guess who it was who anointed him? So here we have Hannah praying, Samuel becoming the man of God and leader of the nation, spiritually speaking. And then he is the one who anoints David as king. And here's what David says. I will cry to the God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me, Selah. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Think about connecting the dots. My grandmother, Granny Bishop, was an amazing woman of God. She had five sons, big old boys. She was four foot eleven. Her smallest boy was five eleven. All of them, the rest of them over six feet. 
when God started my life and called me into the ministry, one of the first people I wanted to tell as soon as I could get there was my grandmother who lived in Greenville at the time. And I went by to see her, and she was kind of interesting because she didn't mind telling the truth. And so I, I went in and sat down with Granny, and we're talking. I said, Granny, I just want you to know that God has called me in the ministry. She said, you know, I have prayed for one of my boys that God would call at least one of my boys into the ministry. And none of them at that time were. But she said, I guess that you're the one that God has chosen to place in the ministry. Well, just to show you how amazing God is, after my grandmother died, two things happened that she had prayed for. One was her oldest son, Raymond, had never accepted Christ. When she died, he was in his 60s. Yeah, one of the old guys, I get it. And in her Bible was her written out prayer for Raymond's salvation. Six months after her death, Raymond accepted Christ. Praise God. Six months after accepting Christ, Uncle Raymond died and went to heaven. Hallelujah. The other prayer was, Lord, one of my sons be called to the ministry. After I had been called and my grandmother passed away, my dad was called by God in the ministry and served for a number of years. We never know how God will use what we have done in the prayer closet in the desperation of pouring out our soul before him to accomplish amazing works that can literally change the world. Does it all happen like that? No, it doesn't. But I'm telling you right now, God will take the pressures of our life, which we tend to... Remember last week I I gave you a little phrase, are we fussing in life or are we living in faith in life? Are we fussing or faithing? We tend to fuss about everything that comes down the road. I mean, you guys will leave here today and some of you say, you know what? That service was a little long. And some of you say... I was about to freeze up in there. We we literally, I think somewhere online, somebody visited our church and their comment was, it was really cold in the auditorium. Really? That's what this is about? That's what we become? That's where we are? And by the way, just so you know, the thermostats are set because you can't please everybody all the time and we ain't trying to. But, oh, our God is calling us to a place that's far beyond that. Where we're about the comfort. And even to the place that he is so willing because we're his kids that he will disturb us by the pressures of circumstances to bring us to that place where we will, as Hannah did in desperation, cry out to our God for him to work. His miracle. As the inbound says, answered prayer. His miracle, his miracle, his, his mystery answered prayer in our lives. And we never know, we never know how far God's going to take the answer to that prayer. Would you stand please?
God, thank you for Hannah. Thank you for the pressures upon her life that caused her in desperation to cry out to you and to receive from you. Thank you that it wasn't a quick fix. It was literally years of being in your presence and desiring the things that would be right and pleasing in your sight. And thank you for David, our amazing man of God that you used. Samuel anointed him. And he rose up to be the man who brought the nation of Israel to a place of worship that they had never known before. And that's why, even with all his mess, you would say of David, he was a man after my heart. God, in this room today, let us be a people after your heart. Whatever that means for each of us individually, we know it means to worship you. We know it means to spend time in your word, but we know it means that... We in prayer are coming to you and we are believing and trusting and knowing that you, Holy Spirit, will work in us. Maybe somebody who came here today that doesn't even know you as personal Savior. And somehow through all this, the Holy Spirit of God touched that life and that person will see the need for Jesus as their Savior. But for those of us who know you, if we're just playing at it. we're just pretending then oh God in the name of Jesus break our hearts transform our lives for your glory in Jesus name Amen